0: Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda.
1: And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at indytravelpodcast.com.
0: This episode is episode 309, and we're talking about Moldova.
1: That's right, and it is a real country.
0: It is, really. When we first heard of Moldova, we weren't sure, and I've talked to a lot of people in the same situation, but we went there, it's real, and it's awesome.
1: To start off, let's hear some music from their Kishinev City Day when they celebrated how many years was it? I think it was
0: 579. It was something ridiculous. It
1: was. Well, that many years of being a city. So, Linda, explain to the people, why on earth did we go to Moldova?
0: It's a bit of a long and involved story. It starts off 13 years ago when Craig and I got married. Yes, we are that old. We were going on honeymoon and we stopped at a second-hand bookstore to pick up some books for the honeymoon because, well, we're geeks. And we were looking at the different options and we picked up one called Playing Tennis with the Moldovans by uh tony hawkes we picked it up and we read it on the honeymoon and it was hilarious and as we mentioned earlier we weren't sure if it was a real country or just made up but it was pretty obvious by the the stories in the books that it was real so from then on we're kind of like oh we should go to this weird country in the middle of europe you know really quite far eastern europe bordered by ukraine and romania yeah that, that sounds all right let's do that But uh, we never quite managed it. One of the problems was that to get there, you needed a visa. And to get a visa, you needed an invitation letter. And it was one of those frustrating visas. It wasn't like, arrive, pay some money, get a visa. No, no, no. You had to get in touch with someone. They had to invite you. You had to fill in a certain form. You know, one of these bureaucratic nightmares. So we we had it on our list. And we were planning to maybe just get our act together and go because we heard that they had an annual wine festival. So we thought, okay, we're definitely going. And you know what? If we go into Moldova, we'll go to Ukraine and Belarus too. So we looked into it and they all needed visas. We just thought, oh, it's too hard. So year after year, we thought, come on, this year, this October, we're going to go to the Moldovan Wine Festival, this year, this year. And it just never worked out until this year, actually, 2015.
1: Yeah, it was perfect. We had the time. We uh, didn't need visas anymore, thanks to changes in their visa law a couple of years ago. And we were able to just fly in, arrive and not go to the wine festival.
0: Yeah, so we'd been in touch with a woman called Natalia from Moldova Travel. and she had given us some information about what we needed to know about the wine festival and what we should do in Chisinau and various things. And a week before we were due to arrive, we had our tickets and everything all organized. We've been looking forward to this for months. She sent us an email saying the wine festival was cancelled. Cancelled? No! Oh my goodness, we actually almost cried. We were so gutted.
1: We are just sitting around the table, and we are in Oundle uh, at the time, just sitting at the table, just shell-shocked, <laughs> looking at each other, going, well, what? But but what? What now? Why?
0: Why? Yeah, we'd already booked our tickets to Moldova and from Ukraine, so we couldn't really back out. So we decided to go ahead. And as it was, we arrived at the airport... To the sound of music. Mm. We, were, we were wondering what it was because it was a bit strange. I think we told you in our last podcast, you know, we, we heard this music and we were wondering what was going on and uh, we got through security and there was a band and people handing out small bottles of wine. They were like, yeah, okay, the wine festival has been modified, not cancelled. So instead of having a big booze up festival in the middle of town, all of the wineries were inviting people to come and see their, their vineyards and their wine production areas and uh, the National Office of Wine and Vine, I love that name, was uh, putting on transport so that you could get there without any problems. And we thought, well, this is fine.
1: Yeah, that sounded, that sounded pretty easy. We got a big flyer with all of the uh, pick up and drop off points and all of the times and the pricing for each of the tasting experiences, which went from free to about, I don't know, maybe five euros at max for those that came with meals and so we were we were all set, you know, we could go back to our apartment and have a look at everything and, and make a plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Natalia had been organizing a bloggers event for Moldovan and Romanian bloggers, and she said, just, just join us tomorrow and it'll be fine. So we joined them the next day and went to a couple of wineries, and then we just ended up staying on their trip. <laughs> we kind of crashed it. <laughs> we were invited, it was fine. But it was great, We we did a lot of the wine festival events with these bloggers, and it was so much fun. Yeah,
1: I'll tell you a bit more about the wineries in a while, but first, shall we hear from you and from Asconi? Okay, so the uh, winemaking in Moldova it's very old, like uh, as from research, it's more than 2000 years ago. Wow. Uh, then, here we we were a uh, locked country for a long time because Moldova was a part of USSR. Uh, then all our wines were made for uh, for ussr mm-hmm. and not as much on the export for that the name of uh, moldova uh, is unknown right now in the world but little bit uh, step by step we already uh, have a name already in the in the market yeah. international market and hopefully we will grow in the next few years We'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of wineries and uh, how to visit them later on in the show, but I guess it's important to know what you need to know before you go.
0: Okay, so first of all, where is Moldova? It is a real country and it's in Europe. It's bordered by Romania to the west and by Ukraine to the north, east and southish. It is landlocked, but it's really, really close to the Black Sea. It's only a few few kilometers from the Lexi Sea at its southernmost border.
1: Mm, and there is a river port down in the south.
0: Mm-hmm. The language is Romanian, so here are a few key words for you. Before you go, it's good to know. Da means yes.
1: And no means no.
0: Very important. Our first word that we learnt was narok, which means cheers.
1: Yeah, narok. Mm-hmm. It also means something like g'day or hi. It's like a, a welcome amongst friends as well.
0: Uh, mercy is thank you. You can also say mutumesc, but we found mercy a bit easier.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, Th- uh, third form French coming in <laughs> handy in Romanian.
0: Yes, and salute, also French, is, is hello or day. So those are your key words.
1: The prices in Moldova, even in the capital city, Chișinău, is, uh, well, they're cheap, aren't
0: they? Yeah, really cheap. A dorm costs about €8, Euros, and we were staying in apartment rentals and hotels, and you're looking at a base level of around €20 Euros for double room. And, of course, it goes all the way up.
1: Yeah, all the way up. But uh, we were staying in quite comfortable places for around €30 Euros a night, eh?
0: Yeah. We, the cheapest one we found was €18 Euros for an apartment rental. And, yeah, that was that was very reasonable. We jumped around a lot because we, we, we arrived, we booked four nights accommodation, and we thought, well, we'll see how we go. Maybe we want to travel around the country a bit.
1: Because it was really hard to find out information to help plan beforehand.
0: That's right. So we we got there and we decided, actually, the country's very small. We can just base ourselves in Kishinau and and go out on day trips. So we decided to extend our accommodation. But for some reason, the uh, apartment we were staying in was kind of an apart hotel. They wanted to charge us double what we'd paid through Airbnb. So we decided to move. So we moved one night somewhere and then we went somewhere else. And we just dumped around a lot. It was not the best planning ever. But uh, we, we did have good luck with Airbnb. There are hostels, there are hotels... There's lots of different options for accommodation.
1: Definitely. And food came in pretty cheaply as well. So cheaply, in fact, that we ended up eating out most days uh, for both lunch and dinner.
0: Yeah, we really loved a a Moldovan chain restaurant called Andy's Pizza, which apparently doesn't have the best reputation in Moldova, but it serves local food at really good prices. You can get a uh, kind of a menu del dia, three-course lunch for, oh, it was ridiculous, about two euros or three euros. Yeah, so yes, prices in Moldova are really cheap. And if you want to do self-catering, there's an enormous central market in the middle of Chișinău, which is the capital city. So it's really easy to find fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, fresh meat. Uh, there's like a little salad area. It's wonderful. So that's definitely an option as well.
1: Now, it was pretty easy to get there, but not so easy to get around. So <laughs> shall we start with with how to get into Moldova?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, Wizz Air flies there, and uh, I think that they're going to be increasing their their number of flights and their destinations as well.
1: Yeah, they've just announced uh, direct London flights. Oh, that's great. Which would have been helpful for us, because we flew from London to Bergamo, um, just outside of Milan in Italy, and then from Bergamo into Chisinau.
0: Yeah, there were direct flights that we could have taken from London, but it was just double or triple the price of doing it the way we did it. So... Prices are going to be changing because Moldova is definitely opening up and it's becoming more of a destination, even more if you guys go and visit. But, yeah, be prepared for the flights to be a little bit difficult or, you know, just just be a bit flexible with finding your way there. You can also arrive by bus or by train. There's a, there's a train from uh, Odessa in Ukraine. It's a bit bumpy. We tried it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fine. It was cheap. I think the easiest way to get around is by, by coach,
1: Yeah, definitely. There's heaps and heaps. The bus system is all minibuses, basically. Uh, So they're kind of 10 to 12-seaters, and they're set fares. So you buy your ticket beforehand, or you hail them on the side of the road and pay the driver, and you go into city, by these little minibuses. They all go into central bus terminals at their final location, uh, which are of varying sizes, depending on the, the size of the town. And they were really safe, really easy, uh, but wouldn't be so suitable for people with large amounts of luggage. In those cases, I'd definitely recommend hiring your own car.
0: Yeah, and there are also big buses. If you go into the bus station, some of the buses will be larger. But yeah, it's a lot easier if, you, if you're if you travelling with a lot of luggage. Consider having your own car. We looked into car rental and we were seriously considering it, but we weren't going to be travelling around all that much, so we just stuck with the, the mini buses now has three bus terminals which is a bit frustrating so you have to ask around to find out where your bus is going to be leaving from. We went to Transnistria one day and that bus left from the central bus station but when we went to Soroka we had to go to uh, the, what was it, the northern bus station which was kind of to the east of the city. It was a bit confusing.
1: So another word on accommodation. I think we've really hit on the main points but to just reinforce, Moldova is quite a small country, and Chișinău really is the place to stay. There's no... well, there are some interesting places outside of Chișinău, but all of them can be reached in a day trip, just three or four hours, by bus or even less by car. And so most people, including locals, live and stay in Kishinau and just go places from there. Um, but the tourism infrastructure is beginning to improve. So there are beginning to be small resorts and hotels that are designed for tourists in other parts of the country. Uh, one of the ones that we saw and we had lunch at was at in a place called Budasini. And Budasini is a small village and there there's a push within the village to try and make it entirely an eco-village. So to ban cars from the area... You know, make it all a a sustainable area. Um, The people behind that have an eco resort there at Budacini and it looked beautiful.
0: Yeah, while we were there, we got to try out making placenta and uh, little cherry dumplings and it was really fun. They have an outdoor oven and yeah, it was, it was excellent.
1: Aline, what, what on earth is happening here? They are making some uh, cheese pie.
0: Okay. And
1: this is the traditional way of making it. So the, the woman, the lady told us, you need uh, 200 grams of cheese, which is already mixed with some vegetables, some... Uh, some, some herbs? Yeah, some herbs, Exactly. And uh, for 200 grams of cheese, you use 130 grams of uh, mm, that kind of uh, bakery. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like the pastry. Pastry, stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they're like rolling it into a loop. Yep. And you put that into the oven, which is a it's a clay oven. Yeah. I got some coals in there that have yeah. been like baking for a while. We are not using coals. No. No, only the wood. There are different types of placenta. So the type that we made was done with the um, very soft, crumbly cheese. Uh, there's other types that are done with. Um, I'm trying to think. There are three types: uh, meat, cheese, and cabbage. And cabbage. That's right. We had a I morning. was thinking potato. Oh, we so had there we well.
0: There's four types. There's probably a lot more types. We had four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the equivalent of a of a savoury pie. So it's very, but very, very thin, thin pastry, yeah, rolled up into this kind of uh, snail shell spiral.
0: We definitely ate far too much while we were there, for sure. Because the yeah. other thing you can do is, if you go to a shop, like a, a corner store or dairy, quite often they'll just have a box full of this kind of pastry, not necessarily rolled up, but, you know, just available. And for 50 cents, or I think I paid about 20 cents one day, well, it was about seven lei, which is the local currency. And... um you can get uh, a piece of this pastry for your lunch, so it's very, very ever present.
1: Sure. So eating is definitely a thing to do. There's that. There's the uh, the dumplings or varaniki. Uh, mm. I I'm not the world's biggest dumpling fan. But oh, I I've, think you're being converted. I'm between. Um, yeah, the dumplings I had up in the Baltics earlier this year, and now uh, now this time I'm coming around, people coming around to the dumpling
0: but you're not coming around to soup are you and soup is a big a big thing in this part of the world as well we quite often started our meals with a a bowl of soup a chicken and vegetable soup and then you put sour cream in and stir it in oh i liked it i really enjoyed it but craig wasn't the biggest fan
1: (laughs) it's okay because it came with wine almost everywhere and wine as we learnt, solves all sorts of problems i did that a a bit of decorations and good wine are going to solve all the other problems. Wine solves most problems.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So shall we talk a little bit about what to do in Moldova? You mean drink wine? Well yes I mean that is certainly the number one thing to do in Moldova so why don't we start with that and then we'll see if we can add some extra
1: things. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Wine tasting was the purpose for which we went to Moldova and was definitely the highlight of our time. There are hundreds of wineries in Moldova and there are probably thousands, tens of thousands of people making their own wine just for family use.
0: That's right. We found it really interesting that Moldovans don't buy Moldovan wine because they make it. They don't don't need to buy it. So it's being produced for export, which is great for the rest of the world. Unfortunately, a lot of the wineries' have quite small production at present it's growing but it's not growing fast enough in my opinion so <laughs>
1: <laughs> you say small but it's small but very very modern yes. uh, we toured production facilities of i don't know six or seven different wineries and all of them were world class in their uh, in their production and the the tools and technology they were using
0: I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that in 1985-1986, there was a wine ban. Yes. So, by direction of the USSR, there was a prohibition, just for a year, until they realized that, like in the American prohibition, people were drinking more during the prohibition (laughs) than, than when it wasn't in place.
1: Yeah, but they were pretty dramatic. They ordered the uprooting and burning of all of the vines across the USSR. And so it means that places like the, the Crimea and Ukraine, where they make a lot of wine, and Georgia, and also in Moldova, uh, they, they lost hundreds of years' worth of vinestock.
0: stock. Oh, it's so sad. So they basically had to start again. And a lot of these wineries have just started up in the last 10 or 12 years with, with new productions, new vines, new system, new everything. And that means that everything is really modern and really well done, I think.
1: Yeah, but the 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 land hasn't changed, and the climate is changing, but uh, not in a way that's been negatively affecting the fruit so far.
0: We highly recommend that you visit Moldova in October to attend the wine festival, because that's the easiest way to to try the wine. You can also visit uh, a lot of these wineries. Some of them are difficult to visit independently. We sent some emails to ask how can we get to your winery. Is it possible to get there by public transport? And one of the wineries said, yes, yes, it's possible. What you need to do is just hitchhike for 30 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, mm, maybe maybe we'll look at other options. It's probably best to join a tour that you can book in Cisinau. There are lots of them around. Look at Moldova Holiday d- 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 Travel, and uh, you'll find that. We managed to visit Percari and also Etcetera independently. And that worked really well. We caught a, um, a minibus to Percari. Uh, We stayed overnight, which is another thing we didn't talk about for accommodation. Several of the wineries have accommodation options, and many more of them are building them. So by the time you travel there, you might want to consider staying in a winery. So we stayed overnight there. It was really lovely. Only €70, which I think was a very reasonable price.
1: for a chateau experience? Yeah. It was amazing.
0: And then the next day we caught a taxi, which was about €4, something like that, to uh, etc. That was about a 20-minute trip. Did our tour there at Etcetera, and then we hopped on the bus to Odessa. So that's certainly an option for onward travel. You could have visited in a day trip, but it's kind of two hours there, two hours back. You know, it's your whole day just in transport. But if you can combine it with, uh, you know, with your journey onwards, then that's a really good way to do it. One of the
1: largest wineries in Moldova, and in fact the winery that produced, I think it was one out of every three bottles of sparkling wine in the USSR in its day, was Krikova. And Krikova is prestigious and old. They have um, part of the collection of wine of Rasputin, of uh, Vladimir Putin, and of John Kerry, and those two sit opposite each other, um, staring at each other through eternity in the uh, the cellars. But the cool thing about Krikova is that it's almost entirely underground. In fact, it's something like 130 kilometers worth of tunnels that the winery production is done in and the wine is stored in.
0: Yeah, it's definitely worth a visit. Let's hear a bit from Krikova. Our uh, fellow blogger Dika was doing the translation for us, so thanks Dika. We are now 100 uh,
1: meters uh, above <laughs> the ground. It's warmest in uh, the uh, sector. 14 to
0: 16 uh, degrees.
1: Uh, Many people said that
0: um, back in the 18th century, people believed that you have to drink champagne like that when it's not even settled yet, because it's very good for your kidneys, for your stomach, and people believe that by consuming these little microbes, it actually helps you digest and consume microbes within, and the infections. So they would drink uh, champagne with sediment, Mm -hmm. as Napoleon did. So a few other things you can do while you're in Moldova. Well, you'll probably be based in Chișinău. And Kishinau is quite a small city, but if you pick up a Kishinau map from the airport, uh, the main sights to see are marked on the map, so you can just walk around and follow it. In fact, on the map it says that if you walk around and take photos of certain things and then go to a certain gift shop, you'll get a souvenir. We didn't do it, but you know, it's one of these fun things to do if you want to. You can also look into day trips from Kishinau. Uh, For example, to Orhei, which is where Butuseni, the eco resort is, and also a really amazing monastery.
1: Yeah, the monastery was amazing. An orthodox monastery, so you're imagining your kind of turreted church and intensely painted interiors. But uh, just down the hill from uh, the monastery, which is perched on top, is a small doorway with a bell tower above it. And going into the doorway, you just imagine access. But no, it drops straight down these steep, uneven stairs. You know, you're climbing down... Uh, with the smell of incense kind of wafting back up the corridor, until you're in a cave that's actually opening out onto the cliff face, which drops down to the river below. And it was here and in caves around the area that monks lived and, and prayed and did their thing, for hundreds of years, especially with uh, invasions against the the Christians, and I would assume, although it wasn't documented, pagan mystics also hung out there in pre-Christian times. Um, but yeah, it's it's where the the faith continued during times of hardship, and where a lot of mysticism happened. So it was a really weird and amazing place to be.
0: It was really great. Uh, so after going to the bell tower, we walked up the hill to the main building of the monastery. And as we entered we you know we've smelled the incense wafting out and we heard singing. And you can hear it too.
1: monasteries around Moldova uh, really just amazingly intense buildings and we've put quite a few of them on our Instagram feed so you can check that out at uh, on your phone by searching for Indie Travel on Instagram or uh, instagram.com slash Indie Travel
0: if you're interested in religious travel then Moldova is definitely a, an interesting destination because there are a lot of beautiful churches interesting monasteries great places to visit
1: Talking of very interesting, we went up to a place called Soroka, which has three main points of interest. (laughs) The first is uh, the, what's it called, the Candle of Gratitude?
0: Yeah, the Candle of Gratitude. Candle
1: of Gratitude, which is a great big uh, column on top of a hill. And uh, it has a small shrine inside and a viewpoint around the outside of it. And from there, you can look over the river and over into Ukraine, because uh, Sirocco borders Ukraine.
0: That's right. Well, we were there, it was full of brides, because it was a Saturday, and everyone was having their wedding photos taken. That's so that was amazing. quite interesting. I
1: felt like we were being chased by the brides and wedding parties from one place to another.
0: There were so many. So uh, we, we arrived actually by bus, by minibus, and as we arrived, we saw the candle of gratitude. But we didn't go there first. The place we went to first was the fortress which was first documented in about 1499, so it's very old, it was built before then, and quite small, we thought it would be bigger, but it's um, a five-towered fortress, uh, no roof on the inside, so it's kind of half in ruins, but it's been renovated, so there are roofs on the turrets, and you can kind of explore and have a look at the brides having their photos taken, and uh, look out over the river as well, so we've got photos of that on Instagram as well. And the third and
1: strangest is that Sirocca is the town which is the home of the Roma or Gypsy people. And it's a very, very strange set of homes that have been built on what's known as Gypsy Hill.
0: That's right. We walked up behind the fortress, up the hill, and we decided to take the long way around to get to the Candle of Gratitude. So we went up the hill and walked along and had a look at some of these buildings, which were enormous, ornate. And completely unfinished. Most of them were only about one third done.
1: Yes, but that didn't stop them looking like, say, a Greek temple. Yeah, or, or the White, House. A replica, yeah, the White House. Or a replica, You have the White House. Or of the Duomo in Milan. The amount of pillars, of plinths, of plaster work, the amount of tin work and scroll work. Oh,
0: the tin work was um, amazing, especially around the wells. I liked that a lot. Just
1: insane um there's also the possibility to book a meeting with the king of the gypsies uh which we didn't do because we weren't sure about our our time so soroka was quite a long trip two and a half three hours by minibus from kishinau but we made a day out of it and i think we really enjoyed it for its for its strangeness and eclecticness more than the reason that we first went to go there which was to go and see the fortress which th- was much smaller than we expected i think
0: so i think if you think of it as going to have an experience then you'll have a good day out but if you're just going to see the fortress you'll be a bit disappointed we also visited the markets which was interesting a smaller version of the Kitchener markets and we had lunch at andy's pizza because you know <laughs> there are andy's pizzas all over the country wow.
1: and we were tired and, and lazy after our, that trip up
0: I don't think we've talked
1: enough about the eclectic and somewhat surreal feeling that Moldova sometimes has. One thing that sums this up is Transnistria. Transnistria is or is not its own country. It's a breakaway republic not recognised by anyone. um, Except for other breakaway republics. Except for other breakaway republics. As far as I can tell, it's propped up by the Russian military and it's a little slice of the USSR inside the modern democratic country of Moldova.
0: We were a little bit unsure about going because, as we said earlier, it's really hard to find information about Moldova on the internet. And some people were saying, oh, it's dangerous to go to Transnistria, you'll get stuck, it'll be hard. It was not hard. We went to the central bus station, we bought our tickets, we got on the minibus, and uh, it took us right into the centre of Taraspo. We got off the bus, we bought some wine after trans- after changing some money because they have their own currency, which is the ruble. Then we just wandered around, had a look at some of the buildings, some of the enormous statues, some of the little tiny shrines, beautiful churches, uh, had some lunch at Andy's Pizza.
1: <laughs> it's everywhere.
0: It was everywhere.
1: And then we went on to Equint, which was my main goal in going to Transnistria. It wasn't to cross a border or tick another box on the, the family spreadsheet, which we have done, by the way. Um, <laughs> But to make sure that we got to one of the most prestigious, I, it's cognac. It can't be called cognac, but because uh, it's not from France, but it's cognac. they are a, a cognac distillery. And they call one, it Devin here yeah, to get around. Brandy.
0: Yeah, they they call it Devin to get around the uh, denomination of origin problems. But really, everyone calls it cognac.
1: And it was beautiful. We did a, uh, a tour of the factory which was great. The smells coming off these ginormous wooden barrels filled with pure spirits were divine. You can understand why they call it divine. Yeah, divine. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. And then we did a flight of five beautiful cognacs uh, before having to leave.
0: That's right. Another thing you can do in Transdestry is visit the um, the fortress there. We didn't quite manage it because we didn't organise our time very well. So mm. we'd really recommend that if you're going to Transnistria, hop on one of the organised day tours, especially if you want to go to Covent, because going individually can be quite expensive. So tours can organise a, a better price.
1: Yeah, group tours were cheaper, but just for two people to go around was 100 US dollars each. And so by jumping on a tour for the day, there were tours for around 35 euros, yeah. which included all of the transport and everything. And so that's obviously a big cash saving in one way where a day tour is just multiple times cheaper than uh, than doing it independently. It is a little bit more difficult if you want to take a hire car into Transnistria. Mm. And if you want to stay overnight, you do need to get a visa and fill out a lot of paperwork. But you can get a kind of a day pass on arrival at the border if you want to do what we did, which was to, to go in and go out.
0: That's what we'd recommend, definitely. Do a day trip. You get stopped at the border, you have to show your passport, so don't forget your passport. And you'll get given a little voucher that says that you have to leave the country by, well, our one said 9.57 that night. So you had to be out.
1: And so many seconds. It, It was down to the moment.
0: It was quite interesting. So it's certainly possible to stay overnight in Transnistria, but it's just a bit complicated. So it might be best to do a day trip. You can also go through Trans- Transnistria on your way to Ukraine if you're travelling from Kishinev to Odessa we tried that, but because I didn't have a visa for Ukraine, we got sent back however, if you have all your visa and documents in order, then it's not a problem at all, I wouldn't worry about passing through Transnistria, a lot of the information we read online was saying don't do that go by bus and make sure you go through the south no problem at all
1: while we're talking about leaving, uh, crossing over into Ukraine is definitely one option. Uh, all of the international flights depart from uh, Kishinev Airport,
0: which is easy to get to. Yeah, you can just take a minibus. It's number one hundred and sixty-five and costs three lei, which is about, you know, less than twenty cents.
1: Yeah, that was that was amazing <laughs> when we uh, when we arrived and jumped on that yeah. instead of the taxis, which were uh, significantly more with their. Uh, You're a foreigner and this is an airport tax.
0: Yeah. Although we found that taxis in Quesnel were actually quite cheap. As long as you get someone to call for you, they'll tell you the price and that's how much it costs. So we caught a couple of taxis and they cost the equivalent of one euro for for whichever journey we were doing within the city. But yeah, if you're coming from the airport, I'd just hop on the minibus. It will drop you at um, Strada Ismail, which is Ismail Street, which is just in the south part of the city. It's the central city, but just on the southern part. Buses are also easy to use. You just hop on and pay either two or three lay, depending on the bus. And they tend to go in straight lines. So, you know, it's easy to get around Kishinev.
1: Well, we are going to have to fly quite literally, actually. We now have 18 minutes left to pack our bags and get off this boat. Because, yes, we've been recording from a boat.
0: That's right. We're in Kiev at the moment. And in a few minutes, we're going to hop in a taxi and go to the airport to fly to London. And uh, it's been a great time. We've been in Ukraine for two weeks. And we've had a really good time. We spent a few days in Odessa, where we met an Instagram follower of ours. You know, we follow each other. And she was great. Uh, Her name is Nizhana. And she showed us all around uh, Odessa by night. And we met up for dinner. And oh, it was just really lovely.
1: It was. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, after a couple of days there, we came up to Kiev, the capital. And we were we're having a a mini conference for my company, Performance Foundry. So we're having a developers conference. So we spent many hours hunched around laptops and uh, many hours out walking around the city and seeing the sites.
0: One of the developers, Dimitri, was showing us all the different sites because he used to live here in Kiev. He's moved back to his home city now. But uh, it was great. We'd we'd wander around and say, this is this and this is that. and. Yeah, got to see a bit of the the city.
1: Yeah, it was cool. So, we are going to have to run, but I do want to say a huge thanks to everyone who made our time in Moldova so special. We've made some really good friends, and uh, yeah, it was just beautiful.
0: It was great. So, especially thank you to Natalia and Katusha for showing us around and organizing things for us, and for all of the bloggers for making us feel so welcome on your trip.
1: Definitely. Especially thanks to Dika and Arlene who appear in this podcast.
0: We'd also like to thank all of the wineries for hosting us, for showing us around and for sharing their wine with us.
1: Especially for sharing their wine with us. You heard from Ewan at Asconi and Christina from Castle Mimi and a few clips from Krikova. But we also tasted Gitana wines. We stayed at Pocari at the Chateau and we tried wine straight from the vat at Etcetera with the owner Igor and his mother's placenta.
0: That was delicious. And we also had a wonderful visit at Advent and tried their cognac. So thank you very much to all of the wineries for hosting us. We had a really great time.
1: Uh, We had an email in from Roger who said that it was great to see that we were podcasting again, and he's been enjoying the shows. Thanks, Roger, for that. Uh, It's always great to to get feedback and and hear, and we're enjoying being back podcasting again as well.
0: Yeah, it's really great, and we really love to hear from you, so please get in touch. So you can either email us, mail at indytravelpodcast.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter and just reply to that. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. Pretty much search for Indie Travel and you'll find us.
1: Absolutely. So uh, thanks, Roger, and uh, as we'd say in Moldova, Narok.
0: Narok. <laughs>